Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Hope. Well, good morning. Welcome back. If you weren't here last week, I'll reintroduce myself. My name is Kyle Cox, and I'm an intern here at Grace Bible Church for the college ministry and finishing up my second year. So this summer is kind of the last summer I have with this ministry. We are very excited that you are back with us this week, despite the rain. Good job. Well done. Someone loses a bet in the staff. So glad you are here. This is great. So about a year and a half ago, me and my roommates... One Christmas seven-day trip, we decided we wanted to take a road trip together. These are three of the best friends that, that I've had through college, and it was our last year to live with one another. And so we thought, let's just go out with, with a bang. Let's just have one last huge roommate's hangout thing that we can remember and have an adventure. And so the August of 2013, we look at places we want to pick, and we we decide to go to the Smoky Mountains. Now, the three of us, there's four of us, the three of us decide to give all the power of creating this trip to one roommate, a guy named Rob. And so Rob, he's really good at this stuff. He's he's created trips before. (laughs) Rob, he's created trips before. Um, he's, he's, He's just really good at it. And so he took the reins, and he decided to I don't know, create some extravagant adventure. Now, the problem was that us three, the other three roommates, we never asked what we were doing. We never asked him, hey, what, what, what's the plan here? And we three had a different idea of what this trip would look like compared to Rob. And so the day we left for this trip, I was pretty exhausted already. I had just gotten back from Asia. I was there for 11 days, and I was just tired. And so I was ready for a trip where we would just camp, hike a little bit, and pretty much just just relax, just have a good time. And so we're driving on up there, and and Rob, he tells us the itinerary. And he's like, on the first day, he says, we're going to just camp out, and it's going to be really chill. And I was like, so far, so good. And then he said, on the second day, there's a four-mile hike up the mountain that we're going to take. And I was like, "Ah, I don't really want to do that. But I was like, all right, four miles. I can, I can handle four miles the rest of the week. It'll be really chill, really lax, and I'd be okay with that. And then he said, on the third day, we have a nine-mile hike up the mountain. And that was like an atomic bomb going off in my head. I was like, I don't think I've ever like walked that much in like a week. Can you expect me to walk up a mountain nine miles I don't, if you know me, I don't, I don't run marathons. I've maybe run like three miles tops in my life, which is pretty pathetic, but you know, it's just true. I'm just being honest with you. And so nine miles up a mountain sounded awful to me. And so we start this nine mile trip, I, or nine mile hike. And in my mind, I'm thinking I'm already tired from the four miles that we hiked previously. And in that nine miles, as we're hiking up the, the mountain, one of my roommates, a guy named Elliot, he keeps stopping us and he keeps, you know, saying, let's just take a break. And in my mind, I was thinking like, yes, thank you, God. But what came out for some reason was, come on, Elliot, stop being such a wimp. Let's go. And I was like, what are you saying? And I remember when we would start walking up again, he'd be like, no, just a little longer. And I'd be like, come on. And in my mind, I'd be like, shut up, Kyle. And I didn't know why I kept saying this. And so when I finally got to the top of the mountain, I just laid in the mud because I was so tired, just laid there. I mean, for a good hour, just laid in the mud, didn't care. And I, I missed out on something really beautiful because if you've ever been to the Smoky Mountains in Christmas, one side of the mountain is very icy and white and wintry, and it's beautiful. And the other side is very green and lush, and it looks so cool. And I, I missed the beauty of that. 
climbing up this mountain just took its toll on me. And I was just, I was just done. And so for the rest of the week, all of us were really kind of just tired and frustrated with each other and passive aggressive. And we'd say things like, yeah, that's great for someone with your intelligence. Good job. You know, we were just really mean to one another and like driving home when a song came on that we've heard like a thousand times, we'd just be like, turn it off, turn it off. I can't take it. And we would just be silent the whole, whole trip. And so this whole trip was, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have fond memories, but the whole trip was essentially this one big struggle. And it goes all the way back to the fact that me and three of my roommates didn't start preparing for that trip months prior. You see, Rob, the one who who set up this whole trip, he was working out all semester. He was rock climbing all semester. He was getting like gear and warm clothes. I, I brought like a non-thermal sleeping bag and was in a tent. It was a terrible, terrible choice. I wore the same clothing all week and just smelt like utter death. And I was just because I wasn't prepared for this big, long hike up the mountain. So why do I say that? I say that because this theme is same for Christians, and it's this, that when temptation comes our way, the response is determined, is dependent upon the amount of time we have spent in our relationship with God. We're in the Psalms this summer, and we see each of the writers in Psalms, they have a, they have a personal and intimate relationship with God. We, we talked about last week a little bit how each, each of the Psalms, there's a, there's a different emotion and there's a different thing being said. And in their suffering, they still praised God. In their sin, they confessed and then still praised God. You notice that whatever was going on in the psalmist's life, that they all praised God. They had an intimate relationship with God. And so when we are tempted, The outcome is dependent upon the amount of time we have spent in our relationship with God. We're going to be in Psalms 1 today. Before we jump in there, I want to read Psalms 119, verse 11. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, if we were to rewrite that, we would essentially say, if I have not stored up your word in my heart, I will sin against you. And so we know that scripture helps us combat and fight sin. Scripture is truth. When we look at Scripture, it is truth. And so when lies come our way, we know the truth and we know not to believe those lies. It's in our heart. And he says, notice, notice, he says, I've stored up your word in my heart. And so there's this constant, I want to know you, God. I want to know you more. There's an intimacy there. Scripture helps us fight temptation. And as I was thinking of our context and our application, I thought, you know, okay, it's, it's hard to memorize scripture. It's hard to read scripture and find themes. And I kept telling myself that, and then I realized, I think I'm probably just making an excuse to myself to actually not try to do that. And I want to explain myself for a, for a quick second. Um, if we could essentially put on the screen the amount of time that we have spent giving to God and the amount of time that we have spent for ourselves. Would, would any of us maybe be embarrassed to put that on screen? Or the time or the money we have spent on God or the money we have spent on self, would any of us, you know, be embarrassed to say or put that on the screen? And so I think I was making a justification for not trying to study the word of God when really there are tons of other things I'm doing that I could sacrifice for studying the word of God. And I know, I know we can all memorize things because I know we all have songs memorized. T-Swift, Blank Space. I know every one of us says Starbucks lovers. 
I don't care if the lyrics say ex-lovers. I think that's what it says, right? Something ex-lovers. It's Starbucks. I hear Starbucks, and I will forever sing Starbucks. We all know song lyrics. We can all repeat song lyrics. If you put Lord of the Rings on, I could quote that whole, like, three trilogy movie. All of them. I could almost quote the whole thing. Or Romeo and Juliet. For some, (laughs) in the seventh grade, it was my first play, and I was Romeo. And I could still... Quote to you, but soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. Arise, fair sun, and kill that envious moon that is so sick and pale with grief. I could go on, and I have not looked at that since the seventh grade. That was 14 years ago. Have not looked at it since, and could still embarrassingly repeat to you that entire, that entire scene. And why? Because I spent the time studying it because I was so nervous to get on stage and actually be in front of people. I took the time to study it and memorize it. And that, I mean, that, that will do nothing for me in life except to be used as an illustration to embarrass myself and make my point. That is its only use for me now. And so I know we can memorize things. I know we have the ability to read scripture and know themes because we do it to a lot of other things. And so a lot of us find ourselves flopping on one side to another. We keep, we keep sinning and we keep giving in to temptation and we live these weak lives and we sometimes don't know why when the answer is because we are not focusing on our relationship with God. We are not spending time in his word. We are not praying to him. I was, uh, I was listening to John Turner this morning. He was preaching for the high school. He'll be preaching here next week. And he said, sometimes we spend a lot of time talking about God and not talking to God. And man, that is so, that is so true. And I was thinking of myself, my junior year of college, that was totally me. I was in leadership and in impact. I was in a couple of other Christian organizations and man, I, I could fake it and I knew the stuff and I would talk it, but I had no relationship. I, there was no talking to him. There was no reading his word and it was, it was fake. I feel like sometimes that can be us. We are not fertilizing our own relationship with God. And so we find ourselves always succumbing to sin. And when sin presents itself, we find ourselves giving in. And so you need to ask yourself, how much time do I spend watching Netflix? Or how much time do I spend napping during the day? How much time do I spend reading? How much time am I giving to all these other things when really I could be giving it to scripture, when I could be giving that time to God. How many of us do that? And the hard thing is we, we do. I mean, it's, it's, it is hard sometimes. Life gets crazy. Tests come in the way. But I know there are things in my life that I can sacrifice. I know I can sacrifice two episodes of The Office to read scripture and pray to God. I just, I know it. And so if I say that I can't, if I say that I can't memorize or read scripture or know where places are, I think I'm just making an excuse for myself and I'm trying to justify a reason not to do this. And so if you respond with like, okay, you're right. So, so what is this? You know, just to check the mark. All right, I memorized this verse. Check. Went to church on Sunday. Check. And no, that's not at all. Man, God wants a relationship with each of us. You know, when you get married, husband and wife, I mean, they're, they do life together. And, you know, we're called the bride of Christ. And so God wants to do life with us. Think about that. The God who created 300 million or billion galaxies, 100 billion stars in our solar system, all the way down to the 37 trillion little cells on our individual bodies. That God wants a personal and intimate relationship with each of us. 
And sometimes I think about that. I think, how could I look at this as a checklist? That God loves me, and yet I won't give him time. And it just blows my mind how I could think like that. He is a God who wants intimacy with each and every one of us. And, you know, all of us, I mean, all of us at times find it difficult. All of us at times don't necessarily have that desire. And that's okay. Just confess that to him. Tell him that. He wants to, he wants to know that. And he does. But he wants you to say that. Say, God, I don't have a necessary desire to read and pray to you, but I want that. I want that desire. And he will begin to change your heart. And so as we go through Psalms 1, I want you to have that in your head is do you question yourself, do I have a desire to read scripture? Do I have a desire to continue focusing and pouring my energy into a relationship with God who loves me? Do I have that desire? We're going to be in Psalms 1, starting in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I want to go verse by verse and just dissect each one. So starting with verse 1, the first thing it says is blessed. And so basically what that means is the rest of what I'm about to say, this is the best possible way, the best possible road to blessing. This is the best possible option for you. And he's going to give us a parallel between the wicked and the righteous. And he says, this is the road that you want, not this. Blessed or happy You will be blessed by this direction. And so we should listen to what this author says. We should listen to what David says when he writes this. Blessed are you who does not stand in the way and the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And so I want to point out, first of all, what this verse is not saying is to create a Christian bubble and avoid the world altogether. It is is absolutely not saying that. We, We are told, we are commanded to evangelize. We are commanded to make relationships with people who don't know Jesus. We are commanded to be in the world, but not of the world, if you've heard that phrase before. So that's not what this verse is saying. What this verse is saying is don't let the world influence you. Don't let the world have influence over you. Don't let it dictate your actions, because the thing or person who has influence over you dictates your actions. And so, yeah, avoid the Christian bubble. Let's, or don't avoid it. Have Christian community. But let's pop that bubble and let's go out into the world and spread the love of Jesus. But we cannot let the world influence us. And so a question to you would be, do you have friendships with people that are unhealthy, that, that influence you in a negative way? Can you think of people in your life who you enjoy hanging out with? And maybe you even make an excuse to hang out with them by saying, well, I'm a Christian and they, they need Jesus, which they do. But are you making an excuse just so you can compromise your morals to hang out with these people? And so think about the thing in your life that is influencing you in a negative direction, that is compromising your morals and your beliefs. And so, yes, let us, let us be in the world, but let us not be influenced by the world. Blessed is this man who is not influenced by the world. We move on to verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates 
day and night. I love the word delight in this verse. So he's saying the delight is in the scriptures. It is delightful to read and know you. And I I had to ask myself when I was reading and studying this verse, does that describe me? Do I feel delight when I read the scriptures? And my honest answer is no, not, not all the time. I don't. And again, this is the moment to come before God and just tell him that, admit that to him, confess that to him, because he is a God who wants a relationship with each and every one of us. And so let's be honest with him. He already knows. And so let's be honest with him. So it is delight to know the Lord. It is a delight to read scripture and know scripture. It is a delight. And so let that, let this verse resonate with us. Blessed is the man who finds delight in the law of the Lord because his law, he meditates day and night. And now I want to, I want to point out what the second half of the verse says. He meditates day and night. And what this means is the man who is blessed is not one who just comes to a 40 minute service on a Sunday. And that is all he does for the rest of the week to fertilize his relationship with God. It is not the one who comes 40 minutes a week. It's the one who meditates daily who has a constant relationship with God. And that doesn't mean you read the Bible for an hour every day of your life. I mean, that would be great. <laughs> you know, let's, let's shoot for that. But that means we're constantly thinking of him. We're constantly praying with him. Because remember, in a relationship, you do life together, and God wants to do life with us. If we start to meditate on the scriptures, what it begins to do is affect our actions. Because what we think about most, we care about most, and what we care about most influences us most. And what will influence most will affect our actions. And so as we start reading this, as we start learning more who God is, we begin to open our eyes to truth. And what that truth is transforms us into the image of who God is. And no, I'm not saying we will become a God. I am saying we will become more like God. And it's a whole life to get to that process. It is a lifelong process, a lifelong process of sanctification, of God refining us into who he is. And this is the tool to do that. This is the tool to do that. And so meditate. It is important that we meditate and we read scripture and we we preserve our relationship with God because when temptation comes our way, the result is dependent upon the amount of time we have spent in our relationship with God. Meditate day and night. And this is a warning. This is a warning because if we're not meditating on Scripture, that means we're, we're investing in something else. And as we invest in something else, we start becoming more and more like that something, and eventually it kills us. And I think of that silly analogy about the frog that's in the boiling water, if you've heard it. You start to turn the water up a little bit, and he gets used to the water. It gets warm, and, and he likes the way it feels, and he gets used to it more and more. And eventually, before he knows it, he's being boiled to death, and he dies. And that, that is what sin does to us. It is a slow fade. It's not a, an immediate change. It's a, you are influenced slowly and slowly and slowly, and that's how the enemy works. You are slowly influenced by the world, and before you know it, it kills you. One of my, one of my closest friends, I was, I was his best man at his wedding, really, really great friend. Three years ago, I mean, the godliest guy I knew, and he got a job where he worked every day of the week. Every day. I mean, Monday through Monday. Every day. And for a year, didn't take a single day off, so he neglected church. He neglected accountability. He neglected scriptures. He didn't, neglected praying. And I'm long story short, it got to the point where two months ago, he and his brother-in-law were in a very bad fist fight and he ended up hitting his wife. 
something I never thought this guy would do. And praise God, he has repented and he is in counseling and he is moving forward to that. But I remember when I talked to him, he just said, I never saw it coming. I never saw it coming. And we are kidding ourselves if we believe that that can't happen to us because it can. It is a slow fade. We become the thing that we spend most of our time with. Goofy example, I mentioned The Office earlier. I went through like a year of watching The Office, like all the time. And by the end of that year, I started realizing I was literally saying things that the main character, Michael Scott, was saying, like yeesh or yeppers or I'm not superstitious, I'm a little stitious. I don't want people to fear me. I want people to fear how much they love me. And, and I realized, oh my gosh, I am becoming Michael Scott. And I even, like, even a couple nights ago, me and a friend were watching The Office. And, and this friend said, oh my gosh, you say that all the time. And I was like, no, I'm becoming him again. And, and so that's a goofy example to say what we give our time to, we start to take on attributes and actions of that. Verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that it does, it prospers. I love this illustration. And so verse 3 is a response to verse 2 about the man who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. So imagine this picture, a tree by a constant stream. The roots are deep. The tree is strong, it's healthy, the leaves are very green, and it's it's bearing fruit. So this is the person meditating day and night. He is strong. His stance, so when sin does come his way, he knows true. He is strong through the power of God. He is strong and is able to stand. His roots grow deep. He bears fruit. This is a man who meditates day and night. This is the man who pursues his relationship with God. He is constantly being nourished. And like I said earlier, this tree is not a tree where you can just water it 40 minutes a week every Sunday and it'll grow. It is a constant flow of nourishment. And that's why I love this verse because it shows that we need constant flow of God. We need a constant flow of our relationship with him. We need that. We need that nourishment. We need it. And verse 4 contradicts verse 3 and it says, This is talking to the man who walks in the counsel of the wicked. It said, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Now, when you pick wheat, which I'm sure we all do, when you pick up wheat and you start to rub it together, the like little skin particles just kind of fly away. And and that's the chaff. And it's saying essentially that the wicked go in whatever direction that they want to. They go in whatever direction the wind takes them. And so I want fame. I want sex. I want money. I want power. I'm going to go do whatever makes me happy. They've believed a lie, and so they listen to lies, and they go in whatever direction that lie takes them. But this isn't a warning only to the wicked. This is a warning to every Christian in this room also, that we can be very much so influenced by the wicked. If we are not spending time in God's word, if we are not spending time praying, if we are not spending time in a relationship with him, we will listen to the lies of the world, and what happens is we start to believe them. And we go in any direction that the wind takes us. I think of guys who, who I've talked to who struggle uh, deep with pornography. Um, these are guys who are in accountability. These are guys who have systems on their computer. I mean, they've done everything, and yet for some reason they still 
feel they lose this battle of pornography. And what I find in most of these guys is they have done all this, but have neglected the most important aspect. And that is pursuing their relationship with God. They have neglected praying. They've neglected reading scripture. They do all of this stuff. But the one thing they don't do is, is fertilize their relationship with God. And so, of, of course, they fail. Of course they fail because they're believing a lie. They're believing a lie. And so, no, I'm not saying when we start pursuing our relationship with God that temptation goes away. No, temptation is alive and real. But I am saying when we do this that there's actually a dog in the fight. I actually stand a chance of the power of God through it. There's actually a chance that we have if we are pursuing our relationship with God. Because when temptation comes our way, the result is dependent upon the amount of time we have spent in our relationship with God. Let that, let that sink in as we need this. We need to study this. We need to pray and worship him. We need to know him more because we are believing lies at times. And they'll kill us. I mean, just like the silly frog analogy, it'll, it'll kill us. And so we need to stand firm on truth like it's talking about with this tree. We need our roots to grow deep. We need to know truth because the spiritual battle is very real and it's very present. Seeks, seeks us out. They want to influence us. And so Christian in the room, let us together, let us be influenced by scripture. Let us be influenced by God. Let us keep a relationship with him, to pray to him, to talk to him, to communicate with him. Let us, just like my friend John said, let us not talk about God merely only. Let us, let us talk to him. Finish up with verse five and six. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in, the, in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So in short, ultimately, the result of our relationship with God will be an eternity of joy with him. And so I look at the wicked and, and they really believe what they're selling and what they're saying. These lies that, that they have taken in, they truly believe it. And what does he say? He says they will not stand in judgment. And to, to give an example, I think, of, of a guy named Richard Dawkins, who, who's a brilliant atheist. Um, and he says, if I see God face to face, I will ask him which God he is, and why did he go to great lengths to hide himself from his? God is the most unpleasant character in all of fiction, jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleaner. And he truly believes that if God existed, that he would say that in front of God. He has no idea who he's talking to. And I just think about that moment. Do we really believe people who have spent their whole life in rejection of God, do we really believe that they have anything to say when they stand before him face to face? Now, I want you to hear me out. This is not a win for us. We don't want that. We don't want people to stand before God in that moment and not know him. That is a very sad thing. And man, what, what a testimony it would be if Richard Dawkins came to know Christ. I mean, that would be, that would be a win. But what this, saying is, this is saying is there is a reverence about God that the wicked believe they are over and they won't succeed in that belief. And so the last part of this verse said, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish and so this, this, this verse brings up a very important question that we need to ask, and that is, who is righteous? It says, says, the righteous will stand. 
So who is righteous? Well, in Psalms 14.3, it says, They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who are good, not even one. And so we know these psalms aren't contradicting themselves. We know that this psalm is not debunking the next psalm. We know that. And so who is righteous? The righteous are the sinful who somehow are counted as righteous. The righteous are the people who have who have sinned against God and yet somehow are made righteous. And you have to ask yourself, how does this holy, perfect, and just God, how can he count our sin as righteous? Well, the answer is he does count our sin. He does look at our sin and says, yes, that that is punishable by death, but he put that punishment all on Jesus. And that's what I love about this verse, that it points directly to Jesus. God did punish for our sins, but he put all of that punishment on Christ. That Christ lived a perfect life. That he died on a cross and he rose from the grave so that all of us will be counted as righteous. And so when we stand before God, though we have sinned, though we have messed up, we stand before him and Jesus stands as our advocate and says, no, I covered them, they're righteous. And that's what we have to look forward to. And that's why Look at this. The gospel is just so beautiful. And that stream that, that keeps on nourishing that tree, the gospel is the spring to which that stream comes from. The gospel is the very content and the meat of what we believe because it is the life-saving breath of Jesus Christ that we have any stance before God. It is through Jesus that we can pray to God, that we can worship God. It is through Jesus that we can maintain a relationship with God. And so this is If you don't know Jesus, first of all, that's what I want for you is to come to know the Savior who died and loves you. And for those of you who do, for the Christians in this room, because of Jesus, let us hear that like we are hearing it with fresh ears. Let us hear the gospel. I mean, that is is the greatest thing that will ever happen to us. And so let's hear that as we're hearing it for the first time. And so as we meditate, as we study scripture, I feel like the gospel is the first thing we should think about. As we start to pray and as we go into meditating and on scripture, I think the first thing we need to do is just praise Jesus for his sacrifice. Praise him that though we still sinned, that he died for us in God's wrath and his, his punishment was all laid on Jesus. Because God loves us and God has created a way for us through Jesus. A way that we may talk and have a relationship with Jesus. And so this is where I want to end. And so what, where does this leave us? And I was thinking about application and what we could do as a college ministry. What we could do, all of us in this room, and I, and I came to this. I thought, okay, I think we can handle two episodes or one 45-minute episode of a show or one 45 minutes of reading. I think we could sacrifice that this week. And let's just spend time in the Word. And so my challenge for all of us for all of us in this room, is that this week, every single day, we will spend 45 minutes just with God alone, whether that's scripture and praying and worship or just scripture and praying, whatever, whatever it is. But get alone this week and every day spend 45 minutes with him. And if, if it's hard, if it's something that you just don't feel like doing, that's okay. Just tell that to him. Confess that to him. But if each of us in this room could just spend 45 minutes this week And perhaps after this week, we can form habits of meditating on him. Because let me tell you, this is called the sword of the spirit for a reason. Temptation comes our way and it comes hard. And we need ground to stand and the ground is right here. The ground is right here. 
So when temptation comes our way, the result is dependent upon the amount of time we've spent in our relationship with God. So what's going to happen now is Rob and Hope are going to come back up and they're going to lead us into two more songs. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to give y'all just a couple minutes to pray to yourselves. And I, and I ask y'all to sincerely come before God and confess whatever you need to confess. Be honest with whatever emotion you need to be honest with. Whether that's, God, I'm excited to worship you or God, I honestly just don't feel like it. But confessing and being honest to him about it. This is a moment to confess that you're suffering or you're in pain or you're hurt or you're joyful or you're excited. And so let's come before him sincerely. Let's be honest to the God who loves us intimately and individually, who loves us so much that Jesus would die for us. And so I'm going to pray and then give you all a couple minutes and then we're going to worship. And when we worship, let's be sincere and reverent for such a holy God. God, we, we praise you so much for who you are, that, that you would send Jesus, despite our sin, um, despite us disobeying you, that you made a way that we would be counted as righteous through Jesus Christ, God. And so, so God, I, I pray for us. I pray that you would give us a desire to pursue a relationship with you, a desire to know you personally and intimately. A desire, God, to know the one true holy God who created the universe and yet loves us lowly sinners. You love us. And so, Lord, I pray that that would, that would hit us, that you, you love us despite sin. We praise you, God. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and pray to yourself now. Take a couple minutes.